and we're moving, which is very exciting. Noisily. A coffee in the accursed mountains. This is our fifth episode, and today we get to take a Kosovan train trip. So here we are on our train adventure. We uh, got here in good time, but so did everybody else. It's a tiny platform at Pristina. It's just a single platform. There are only two trains a day. And uh, it was full of people, many of whom you can probably hear in the background. Um, I think lots of them were students uh, going home for the weekend. We're here on a Saturday morning. Um, But I guess this is also a very um, cost-effective kind of travel, especially if you're going into the villages. It um, is a line that goes through very rural areas, so it doesn't actually join up many major towns as much as the villages, which it would be difficult to get a bus um, from Pristina to. It's a totally different route through Kosovo I think I was looking at the line on a map obviously because map porn always and it, it weaves I mean they've had because of, I guess the line was built um, the best part of a hundred years ago uh, it had to follow a fairly windy route so they don't have to get too creative with tunnels and things so it picks up the most remarkable places which these days barely exist and we're moving which is very exciting Noisily. So we got to Pristina Station this morning, and uh, this is, of course, the uh, one and only station for the country's capital city. But in terms of size, it's what you'd expect in a, a village in, in Britain or, I guess, France. Uh, if you think of the, a very simple squat building, but in a rather elegant uh, early 20th century style, kind of a Habsburg style. Once painted in rubber, nice pastel colours, but now with a spectacular graffito all over the front uh, and a bit, uh, all the stonework a bit tatty, and all the stonework a bit tatty now. Maybe laugh thinking about the um, stations in bloom competitions that we have in, in England um, with the little hanging baskets and. Uh, sort of gentrification and this is a very blooming station uh, but blooming with chicory and elderflower ground elder and clover and all of these wild flowers that just along the the banks are beautiful on this July day. And the way that the the station works is uh, quite informal on everyone who just kind of mills around the platform and the tracks uh, and sits on the platform edge and wanders across the other line. Uh, It's not electrified, so people it's less dangerous than it might be, and then the train kind of wanders in and people sort of make way for it uh, to put into the tracks and then clumber aboard. Yeah, there's no cafe or, uh, you know, no pret-a-manger, um, no seats. So, uh, yeah, kicking your heels against the um, against the edge of the platform is really all that there is to do. Although, Rob, you did manage to find a cafe next door. It, it's uh, it's morning and, uh, yeah, we've got up uh, bright and early in order to uh, do our duty to podcasts. Uh, and so I picked up a, a little macchiato coffee on the way uh, to energise me for, for my podcast toil. So does that mean that we are finally having a coffee on our podcast about... We are literally having a coffee in the Accursed Mountains, uh, or at least on our way to the Accursed Mountains, because our journey today is taking us westwards out of Pristina uh, 
towards uh, the town of Klina in the kind of midwest of Kosovo and then towards the, the mountains in the far west. In fact, we are staying very strictly on the plain, if I'm not mistaken. We're crossing the plain of Kosovo. Well, we're going to kind of wiggle through uh, into the first hilly bits uh, and to uh, to get to Klina, we're actually going to have to find our way out of plain of Kosovo and then uh, into the next next valley. As Rob says, we're on our way from Pristina to Klina, which does make me laugh because... It's hilarious every time. Yeah, because, you know, if something gets cleaner, it does get pristina. It does. <laughs> So that was us. Uh, the vice man giving us a ticket. And a uh, very good price, really. So that's uh, two, um, two euros twenty per person. It's only about four miles, but it's quite a looping four miles. So, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. not four we're, miles. We're definitely getting our money. You need to look at your map. I should look at my map. We're now just pulling into Fushkosovo uh, railway station, which is the uh, first station out of Pristina. And in some ways, it's a it's a bigger and more significant junction than Pristina Station. Fushkosova, as a place name, has echoes of, of uh, various uh, dramatic bits of Kosovo's history. Uh, but for the railways, it's um, it's a it's a macabre echo of a of a particularly bleak time when uh, much of the population was uh, expelled from their homes in 1999. Serbian troops and paramilitaries had forced them from their homes and uh, many of those from the centre of Kosovo were herded onto trains here at Fushkosov station uh, for uh, the journey south to, uh, to, to Macedonia and exile, um, living in refugee camps. And uh, we have various friends and acquaintances who've described uh, just how horrific it was stuck on this uh, bleak railway platform for uh, the train to be ready to take them out of the country. What was really special about being on that line is that that's really one of the lines that has created the city where we live. Um, you know, Pristina wasn't the capital of Kosovo, of the Vilayet of Kosovo in the Ottoman Empire, apart uh, until until the railway was planned. Uh, if you draw a straight line on a map from Belgrade and the, the largest market in the Balkans down to Thessaloniki, the largest port in the Balkans, it goes through Pristina and it does not go through Prizren, which was then the capital of the Kosovo Vilayet. And so the decision was taken to create uh, Pristina as a town on the line that would bring fresh oranges off the boats in Thessaloniki to the hungry mouths in Belgrade. So Pristina is the kind of Swindon of Kosovo. It's our railway town. Attractively put. The line was actually built in 1874. Um, the line uh, that went via Pristina and Fushkosov, but that went up to Mitrovica. And didn't your old friend Edith Durham take a trip on this line? Indeed, yeah. In fact, we have the extract of uh, her account. We arrived at 10.30am to learn that the train, which was generally late, was not even due until 12.30. God be praised, cried everyone. We are in time. There were plenty of people already there. Buffalo carts, baggage, a regular hurly-burly, and a man had already lighted a fire on the platform and was cooking kebabs and vegetables for such as desired refreshment. 
nobody was cooking vegetables on the platform for us, Rob. You had to go quite Which a long way. Which was disappointing. I, I probably could have got some cooked vegetables from my little cafe where I got my coffee, but nothing being done actually on a fire on the platform. Even Marco was surprised that I thought that we were too early and looked on a railway journey as not by any to be enterprised nor taken in hand unadvisedly, lightly or wantonly. Very wise. She does say uh, that the train was punctual, as indeed our train was today, and its smooth motion after the jolting cart made Marco cry delightedly, it is like swimming in oil. Would you say this is like swimming in oil? It's not something I've done, but I could believe it. Uh, there's, the, the windows are certainly were, were certainly fairly oily. In a country like Yugoslavia, which was so uh, diverse and spread out and many bits of it very mountainous, the railway, I guess, was a was strategically a more uh, significant and more effective way to get around than than road ever was. And in Albania too, just next door, there were uh, strategic railways running uh, north and south and and across the country. So in in those days, it was a, I guess it was probably a more uh, a more significant, uh, as well as being a more egalitarian way of travelling. Uh, whereas these days in in Kosovo and Albania, it's a it's a much more threadbare kind of a system. Kosovo, I think, only has the two lines running now, doesn't it? One to the west and one south into North Macedonia. There's only two trains a day on each of those. Also, I think it's a, uh, there's a, a sort of style to the uh, carriages that we certainly don't have in the UK anymore. These are old German carriages that we're in now. So there are old messages everywhere reminding us to have our Fahrkarte with us at all times and these lovely um, wooden uh, seat uh, rests that we were able to um, lounge on in really kind of armchair style comfort. I remember the first time we took the train down to North Macedonia, which is uh, down across a different plain and then winding through a different set of hills. This is quite a few years ago now. The train with carriage was divided into those rather lovely old style individual compartments, but I don't remember there being any furniture in them. And I think they'd put basically picnic tables and a couple of picnic chairs in each of the compartments for us to sit at as this train took three hours to cover a, a, a journey that by car was taking about an hour and a half. And I think the access that the trains gave, I mean, they still give between North Macedonia and uh, all the way through Kosovo to Serbia if this EU project gets completed, but uh, they're part of a network that gave access across the whole continent in the days before the war in Kosovo and the uh, destruction of Yugoslavia. So you could get on a train in Kosovo and go all the way through what is now Montenegro, Bosnia, Croatia, Slovenia, into Italy or Switzerland or Germany, uh, all on one train and without ever needing a visa. Which must now seem a rather bitter irony to two generations of Kosovars who's capacity to travel to Europe is totally blocked by by the lack of uh, a visa liberalisation arrangement. I mean, Kosovo is the only country uh, that doesn't have this free travel without visas in, in all of the Balkans. So all of the countries around it are able still to pop. To. It, it is a pretty uh, perverse kind of isolation. 
so these trains definitely represent um, a time, a Yugoslav time of, of greater travel. And I was talking to um, a taxi driver just last week as we passed one of the stations and he made a comment about having um, travelled in the trains when he was a boy and all the places you could go to. And he said, and these trains, they came from Athens, you know, the Acropolis. <laughs> So there is this EU project which uh, is joining up North Macedonia to Kosovo, and that's um, a stretch that I think is due to be finished right now, this summer. That's the first phase. Uh, and then there'll be another phase linking uh, Fushkosov northwards to Mitrovica, and the third phase, Mitrovica, to the border with Serbia. Which would really make the train a more effective and, and impactful way to travel, and it would be hugely positive for... Uh, making Kosovo a more coherent place, I think. And there's been great, I think, again, EU and EBRD funded initiatives in other countries. I think Albania has some renovation going on at the moment between Tirana and the port and resort of Duras. So that would offer a line for um, that would be used by lots of people, as well as a branch line to the airport, I think is due to be completed in three years' time. The Heathrow Express equivalent. <laughs> and that would ultimately get Podgorica in Montenegro connected all the way down to Vlora uh, in the south of Albania. Which would change the way that the tourism market works there and and change the way people travel I guess, a bit, I guess. I think there's, there's, there's a sense now that, like buses, trains are, are only for really embarrassing people who don't have cars like us like us i consider myself a particularly embarrassing person who hasn't got a car if you've got any chance of using a car if you've got a cousin or a nephew who's got a car you're always going to use that rather than the the train on the bus and of course we talked in our previous podcast about the montenegrin railway system which is uh, not as extensive as the movies might have you believe. Uh, we mentioned then that uh, Casino Royale, the most recent version, has Bond uh, seducing somebody on a train over a beautiful landscape, which is longer than any stretch of beautiful landscape in Montenegro. It would be a far more brusque seduction than Bond's ever managed, I think, to do it on the flatbed of Montenegro. And that that was uh, recorded in Slovenia. And you, I think, had a, you've had a, a lovely train journey in Montenegro. Well, yeah, I got the chance to do the fabulous line that goes from Belgrade to Bar on the sea, which runs along the, the coast on one side and the mountains on the other. So you, you stand there not quite sure which window to look out of because it's so glorious uh, on both sides. And that's where Tito um, ran his blue train famously from to be able to get down from Belgrade to the coast. To the seaside. Um, with his bucket and spade. And it's the one with the astonishing number of tunnels. Yeah, they seemed astonishing to me because we had our then three-year-old nephew with us uh, who had learned the word tunnel and called it out every time we went through one. Great. So that definitely made me aware of the number. That's useful. And perhaps you had an even more memorable railway journey here in Kosovo on this very line. Oh, that was amazing. Yes, for my birthday nine years ago, I hired a train, which is something I could only afford to do in Kosovo, and invited 30 friends and some chocolate crispy cakes. And we all set off from Pristina Station and uh, had a gorgeous journey um, and a lovely party and balloons. 
And I think Rob probably... Much more importantly, to be honest, the most interesting part of the day and the most special part of that event for everyone was me getting to drive the train. And that was exactly as exciting as it's supposed to be (laughs) and uh, much more important than your birthday. (laughs) But the chocolate crispy cakes were nice as well. Well, you do love a train journey. I love a train journey. I love, I love a, I love any kind of uh, dusty, frosty early morning with a Balkan bus or a Balkan train. And your latest book is full of them. Oh, thank you for mentioning my latest book, Elizabeth. I'm calling it frosty. <laughs> shabby. Uh, my latest shabby book. Yeah, was uh, inspired by the, the the joy and the mystery and the romance of train journeys, which I think is is uh, something which which uh, many many people will will recognize people who've traveled by train in, in in their own country or across borders will all know the excitement of crossing a border by by train and we'll all know the possible mysteries of meeting strangers on a train for the first time and looking across a crowded compartment and wondering at the faces opposite you and i think there's something particularly powerful and therefore particularly good for for writers of of shabby pot-boiling historical novels like myself about train travel partly because this it, it, it for me it kind of combines two distinct things there's a really strong sense of momentum of dynamic energetic industrially powered movement which also brings in different places and different cultures and that gives you diversity so there's a strong sense of momentum which is is great in in a novel but also there's this extraordinary unity of place in the traditional sense uh, a coherence and in, an intensity of of characters and space which makes all the, the the mysteries that we all remember the murders on the orient express and these things it makes them more powerful because everyone is squeezed into these spaces with these exotic fellow passengers uh, like ourselves uh, and and uh, exotic uh, exotic goings on and although your book is called poison in paris Remarkably little of it happens in Paris. One of its many shortcomings, one of the many uh, shabby aspects of it, is that the, the title is is uh, very, very much a lie. Uh, it's a grotesque misrepresentation. But it is about... It, it is, it's more actually about uh, trains not in Paris, but trains going through the Balkans. Murders and mysteries and melodramas and one or two other things beginning with them. So it's set on the Orient Express. Set on the Orient Express. Starts on the station in Istanbul and then takes... Travels up, winds up through the Balkans uh, into into Central and Western Europe. That's a a jolly good read. What we didn't manage to do while we were uh, looking out of the window so much was our word of the day. I guess there's the word for railway itself in Albanian, so here in Kosovo, is quite tempting because it's hekor udor, uh, literally iron way, like the, the French and many of the other um, words for railway. Uh, and it, anything which includes the word for iron sounds good and good and meaty. I think but, we had in our podcast about people's names in Albanian, we had the name Hekuran. We did, didn't we? The, the, uh, iron, the one iron one to give to your super baby. That's right. It's properly inspiring or, or 
intimidating. But maybe we have something a little bit more appropriate for a a, a happy journey, a propitious journey. What do we think? Well, yeah, the, there's a phrase that we have no translation for. We always have to borrow in English from the French uh, if we're wishing someone a, a good trip and offer them a, a, a bon voyage. But in Albanian, yes, a propitious route, uh, rug tambar. <laughs> We've just stopped at a tiny station in a place I've never heard. Uh, and there's this, a sign, no, this is called Bars. This is called White. This is this <laughs> a place called White. And actually that might have won a best kept railway stations in bloom contest. So we wish us and everybody Rug Tambar. I'm going to go and talk to the driver now. <laughs> right, hold on to your hats, everybody. That was A Coffee in the Accursed Mountains. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us and join us on Facebook and on Twitter. Falim Indirit. Do you think that um, a podcast called A Coffee in the Accursed Hilly Bits would go down well? A coffee, a coffee between the valleys. Uh attendant to the accursed mountains. No, I think that sounds too pedantic. A coffee I, I, in the I foothills. <laughs> a coffee in the foothills. Various coffees in the foothills near the accursed mountains.